morning, church. I wanted to come to uh, to meet with you and do a series of um, short videos on uh, how to do a positive inductive Bible study um, in your own time. And so I'm sitting here in the armchair, and you'll notice behind me is uh, um, is one of our one of our puppies. Uh, his name is Donovan. And so Donovan and I are going to do just a just a, a couple, uh, maybe three, uh, short uh, videos on how to study in an inductive way scripture in this time that you're going to be home, if you will, uh, with your family. And so I think it's important that um, that anyone uh, be able to open up God's Word and to just. Uh, be able to to glean some information from that. There's a variety of different study methods out there. My favorite and the one that I seem to do uh, intuitively, um, it's something that I've, I guess, over the years, I've just been trained and I didn't realize I was being trained in it. Um, and now it's second nature. And so uh, when I study scripture, this is how I normally do it. And I think that it will be useful for you guys. And so again, this is a basic inductive um, uh an inductive reasoning, inductive study on the Bible, and it's broken up into three different sections. I'll do um, I'll do a video for each one, and so this is just sort of an introduction and uh, and and section number one, and so uh, the three different uh, the three different uh, steps, if you will, that you would follow is simple observation interpretation and then application and so this particular video is going to be done on observation so whenever you open up God's Word and you begin to study the one thing you want to look at is what does the text actually say a lot of times we will read the things and we we'll read it pretty quickly sometimes we'll read with memory um, uh, it's amazing to me um, how much of our reading is not really reading but word recognition in teaching my daughter Alyssa how to read, uh, one of the things that we've learned is that we don't sound the majority of our words out. Uh, we only do that with words that we don't recognize. The words we recognize, like bread, butter, whatever, um, are words that are stuck in our mind, and we just recognize them. We actually only read the first couple letters before we begin to recognize the word, and our brain moves on. We do it naturally. We don't even think about it. So what I'm trying to say is, that when you're reading scripture, don't read with the idea of, I remember what it says. Read it as though you're reading it for the first time, if you possibly can. So this isn't about interpretation. This is simply reading exactly what the text says. And we, and sometimes pretend you're a, a, an investigative journalist or, um, or maybe a private investigator on a hunt, and you're gathering the facts. Um, back in the day, I remember an old television show called Dragnet, and um, the one of the one of the main characters there would always say, "Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts." That's what you're looking for. You're looking for the who, what, where, when, why, how. Um, these are the things you're going to be asking as you're reading the scripture in your mind. Um, also, make notes of. Uh, words that are repeated multiple times in a passage, those are always incredibly important. Um, anything that you can put into a list, uh, like for instance, when, when Paul would say, uh, three things I need to tell you, first is A, first is, second is B, and the third is C, you know, these are list things. These are things that you can, you can make a list of. And you should always have a notepad and um, uh, something to 
um, something that you can that you can make notes on. I like to make notes in my Bible, but I also have a separate pad of paper that I tend to write things that are longer that I can't fit in the margins of my Bible. Um, so that being said, make note of uh, multiple words that are repeated. Um, anything that can be put into a list. Um, you were looking for words that will change um, either the topic or the time. Like, for instance, when um, uh, some of the gospel writers will say, um, therefore, you know, we always say, well, whenever you see the word therefore, you should ask, why is it? What is it there for? Um, and usually it's giving a reference to something that was said in a previous uh, paragraph. And that being said, um, you should also look for anything that that um, changes the the time frame. Like um, when in Book of Mark, you see this oftentimes. And then um, that word, I think it's etheos in friend in Greek, um, and it just means and then, and then we move to another thing. Um, and so you want to look at that because that's a change in focus. It's a change in a paragraph, a change in position and time. And so um, the old topic has passed, and a new topic is about to start usually. Um, look for words that contrast one thing against another. Um, and also look for words that indicate cause and effect, like if, then. If you do this, if you rebel against me and go and, and, and go to the false idols, then I will judge you and bring, you know, problem to you. Um, and so you're looking for those, um, those contrasted statements. Um, at this point, you're not looking for what you're not trying to make the text mean anything. You're not trying to read anything in it from your cultural milieu. You're trying to just observe what's there, write it down. And once you have a feel, a good idea of the of the what, the where, the whens, the whos, the whys, the wherefores, um, the hows, once you feel like you've got a good understanding of multiple um, uh, multiple. Uh, multiple words, then we can move on to the next stage. And so that's, that's the, that's the first stage. And I think it's important that we, that we have that um, as a, as a basis. Now I'm going to go ahead and um, pause the video here and um, um, we'll go on and make another video in a moment, but I really want you to take a time to go back and re-watch this video a couple times and try to get the stages down so that you can understand them as effectively as possible. We'll see you again in part hey, two. church. We are back again for part two in how to do an effective inductive Bible study on your own. And we'd, so we had talked about the three different steps, three simple steps, observation, interpretation, and application. Um, the last video we talked about observation. What does the text say? This one we're going to be talking about um, interpretation, right? And so that's the fun one. Everybody likes to get to the interpretation. So you'll notice with me, I have um, not only uh, Puppy on the back, which is Donovan. Say hello to Donovan. We also have Bella. And Bella's being camera shy, so we won't uh, include her. Bella is a uh, is a very needy dog and the mother of this one, and so she doesn't like to be left out, and she wanted to be here. So um, that being said, the three of us will share with you stage two of how to do an inductive Bible study. This is interpretation. We're asking ourselves, what does the text mean? Um, so in the observation phase, like we said, we're just we're just seeing what is it all about. We're looking for like Jack Webb in the uh, in the series Dragnet, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, right? Um, now we're getting into the interpretation, but we need to be cautious about this. Peter says in his word that no text of scripture is is open to private interpretation. It's actually um, 
the interpretation is comes from old. It it comes from the text. We don't need to make the text say anything, and that's not what interpretation is about. Interpretation is looking at what it actually is saying, and the most important thing you can remember is is that all Scripture has an interpretation. Um, that was it's built into it it's a cultural interpretation what did it really mean to the first listeners or the first readers of this particular passage if you if, if you don't can't if you can't have an answer for that then then you don't know what it means um, if you're trying to only put it into what it means to us today in 21st century america then you don't understand what the text means so you need to make sure that you um, uh, that you're when you're reading this, you're not reading it from your own cultural milieu. So now we're looking at what does the text mean? How can we draw? What can we draw out of this? Um, at this stage, your job is trying to figure out again what the author is trying to communicate. What did Jesus really mean to his audience? Because remember, if the meaning is unintelligible to the original um, hearers then it's going to be unintelligible, period. It never would have been included. Um, it has to be intelligible to the original listeners, the original people that were there. If it, if it wasn't there, then, then anything you're reading into it's wrong, okay? So ask yourself some of these questions, like what is the cultural or historical context of the passage? A good study Bible will help you do this. Looking back at... Um, uh, at who wrote it, what the what the purpose of the book was, where um, uh, what was the time frame? You know, what did was this written in in AD thirty um, seventy? Was it written um, just after the destruction of Jerusalem? Was it written um, before the Israelites went into uh, bondage in Egypt? Was it written before they um, uh, before they went to Babylon? These are questions you need to ask yourself because it allows you to to, to house and put. The, the, the passage into its right historical and cultural context. Um, what do you know about the author? What do you know about the book? What is the broader concepts that, um, that are there? Um, you might also want to think about um, what if there's other passages of Scripture. A good study Bible will usually have little notations um, on the, in the margins as to passages of scripture where this concept was was talked about before or at other times and allows you the opportunity to look. So feel free to, during this time of your investigation, to allow your mind to wander to other areas. Um, look, if you're, if you're in Mark, the first chapter, and you notice you're reading something in Mark and you're wondering, why did Jesus say this? And there's a little letter or a number um, next to a word or next to that particular verse, and in the margin it says Isaiah forty three thirty. Uh, we'll go and look and see what it says in Isaiah forty three thirty um, because it's important to know that. In the last um, the last video, we talked about uh, making a list of words that are repeated. Right? Look at those words that are repeated. Ask yourself where else in Scripture are those words mentioned? Okay. Um, and then ask yourself, um, am I making any assumptions to this? Always question your own assumptions. Um, assumptions are built upon previous uh, um, 
sermons, previous readings, previous understandings, if you will. And a lot of times we can get trapped into these presuppositions, these assumptions that we bring into the text, and that's not good. Um, So we need to make sure that we're reading this with fresh eyes. What is the clearest meaning of the text? Sometimes Occam's razor says that sometimes the simplest answer is the right answer. And that's sometimes what we have to do. Uh, But don't always jump to the simplest answer because sometimes God does throw his curveballs in his scripture. There are times that he will he will talk about one thing but know that his that his discussion is going to bleed into other areas and he does that on purpose to force us to study and to show ourselves approved. Okay? Um, there are some other things that we need to remember as we're going through this. Like, we shouldn't twist the meaning of Scripture. We don't want to manipulate it to say anything that we want it to. And we need to ask ourselves, are we doing that? Um, let Scripture interpret Scripture. Allow the Bible itself to help you understand other passages. So like I was saying, don't scri- don't twist the Scripture. Don't uh, manipulate the meaning uh, we don't want to try to make the text say something that we want it to take to say. That's that's the wrong that's the wrong way to do it. Um, we look for the simplest and plainest interpretation first, and then and and simply believe what the text says and allow that to to bring us to a better place. Now I know some of you are saying, "Well, Pastor, we've sat through your studies, and you don't always do that." You're right because I start with the plainest interpretation and I look for what that means, and then I try to line that up with what I understand scripture to mean as a total because sometimes the plainest first glance first blush um, interpretation isn't what God is trying to bring out to us because that first plain interpretation doesn't line up with the overall biblical doctrine of of whatever it is you're trying to study Um, but you start with the obvious and then you move beyond that you don't stay with the obvious you start there and and then move on. So allow Scripture to interpret. One of the other things we can we need to do is avoid basing important doctrines on obscure passages. You see that often in cults and other things, uh, other groups that um, that preach heresy. They will oftentimes take a small or a single verse and then build an entire theology around it, rather than let the totality of the Bible develop the doctrine. And this time, this is something that is always a a challenge when we start studying scripture is we'll find something that's so amazing and it's a truth that we just want to revolutionize our life with, but we have to be careful not to base anything that we do on a single, on a single passage of scripture. Um, allow all of, like for instance, salvation. Salvation is not based on a single thing that Jesus said. He said numerous things about salvation all the way through um, his life. And during that time, um, he would uh, he would make these statements about salvation. And so after that, his apostles then began to teach the same concepts um, using his words in a later text as they defined it and fleshed it out. And so we take all what the apostles say and what Jesus said, we marry them together, and we can have a very good understanding of what it means to be saved. Um, and so I think these are the things that we need to, to make sure that we do. This is the bulk, uh, in, in the three phases, the three steps, you're going to spend the bulk of your time in the interpretation phase. And so uh, when you when you just about the time you think you have an understanding of a passage, begin to uh, compare it to other parts of Scripture that talk about the same thing. 
Um, and you can do this with a good um, uh, dictionary, an expositor's dictionary, as you begin to look at what um, what what the, the meanings of some of these words are, and they'll give you passages passages of scripture where um, this concept is talked about as well. And as you begin to flesh that out, you can sort of compare your understanding of this passage with the broader understanding of some of the other passages. And if you're off base, maybe it, maybe it's maybe it means that you're not you're not connected with the true meaning of the passage. Um, it could mean that some of the people that have read it in the past are not connected to the true meaning of the passage. So don't immediately throw out your your first assumptions. Um, run with them until they are completely ripped apart by the totality of Scripture or reinforced. One way or the other, you'll find the truth of it. Um, so again, make sure you take a, a good time, spend a good deal of time in this particular phase as you are observing and trying to be as honest as you can before you move on to the final stage, which is application. Because you can't apply a passage of Scripture to your life unless you fully understand it. Otherwise, you're going to apply it in the wrong way. So again, thank you for this stage. We look forward to talking uh, to you the next uh, part three, where we're going to do the final uh, stage of application. Good morning, church. So we're in stay. We're in, we're in our final part, part three, if you will, in how to do an inductive Bible study. Um, you'll notice that the first two phases, and we we talked about this in the last two episodes, that anyone can use this simple inductive method to um, study scripture. And if you just follow three simple steps, the three simple steps are observation, interpretation, and application, right? And so we've talked about observation. We ask the questions, just the facts, ma'am, you know, um, who, what, when, where, how, why, those sorts of things. But then we've talked about interpretation where we dive a little deeper and we try to find um, what the historical and cultural context, what the what the Greek is saying, what the... Um, what the words are used in other areas in the Bible, some of those key phrases that we discovered in our observation phase. And then we get to the final phase, which is the simple application, right? And application is the shortest, in many ways, the shortest phase, um, but you're asking an overall question. What does this text mean for me? I've often said uh, from the pulpit and other areas that all scripture can, can be broken down in three ways. What is it saying historically? What is it saying spiritually? And what is it saying practically? It's in that practical part that we're in now is what does the scripture mean to me? How does, how does, this, how does this text apply to my life? Now, not every single text you're going to read in the New or Old Testament is going to apply to your life. Um, there are just some things that just don't have a cultural application to us today. But there are times that when you start looking at some of these these cultural and historical things um, and look at trying to applying them to your daily life, there there can be applications. One of my favorites is found in the book of Ruth, where um, you know the story of Ruth and Naomi as... Um, uh, tragedy was visited upon those two young women. Well, Ruth was uh, was young, Naomi was not. And how um, through the, a series of, of misadventures, they found themselves um, embroiled in poverty and back in the land of Naomi's birth. And Ruth was trying her hardest to um, be uh, a uh, be a foreigner in uh, in, a, in a foreign land, 
um, worshiping gods that she worshiping a god that she um, came to know because of her husband and her godly mother-in-law, and she had made a, a, a just a profound declaration to Naomi. She said, "I'll go where you go. Um, I will die where you die. Your gods will be my gods. Your people will be my people." She was basically saying that that we that that I am going to be I'm going to be identified with you and your people from now to the day I die, and in honor of that uh, that faithful declaration. Uh, God allowed her to be part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Um, she became the grandmother of, uh, of of David, and so that's a pretty powerful um, uh, passage. But there's a little, there's a lot of stuff in that in that book. It's a small book, um, but it just has so much, um, so much uh, rich theology in it. One of my favorites is the Law of the Gleanings. Um, it was written in a time in Israel when they still believed very heavily in leaving some things behind in the field for those that would come after, for those that are in poverty. So if you if you were struggling and you didn't have enough to eat during the harvest time, you could follow behind the harvesters and they were directed to leave things behind in the field. And I say, well, okay, but I'm not a farmer. I don't gather grain in. I don't I don't do all those things. How can this um, this principle applied to me today. Well, say you're trying to sell a car, right? It's a used car that you've you've used and abused, or however you are. You want to you want to try to get as much money as you can for it, and you want to pass that on. Well, that's a wonderful idea, but when God is trying to say what God is trying to say here is that sometimes when you're leaving something for the next person, try to leave a little bit extra. So if you know the car is worth, say, $6,000 and you want to get $6,000 for it, maybe what God's trying to say is that you sell it for five, right? And you allow that person that you are selling the car to, to walk into a little bit of money. That way you're leaving a little bit behind for them. Now, this is a suggestion. I'm just giving you a for instance, um, and maybe you're not getting that from the text. That's something that I have gleaned, if you will, from reading the book of Ruth, and I've tried to apply that to my life. So when I sell something or I try to give something away, I try to make sure I do it in such a way that I'm, I'm leaving some things behind for the next person. So that being said, what does the text have to say for me? That's the part we're at in stage three application. Um, we don't study the Bible just to gain knowledge. If we did that, we would we would just be fat and happy in the knowledge of God, but wouldn't be able to do anything. The book of James says that faith without works is dead, and we need to recognize that we should be doers of the word, not just hearers only. We are not just to consume. We are to... We are to consume God's word and then use that as fuel to move our bodies into action, to give us the unction, if you will, to do what God is calling us to do. So when we go back to our original questions at this stage, we, we look at the who, the what, the where, the when, and the how, and then we use those questions based upon our new understanding of the interpretation to uh, allow us to apply it into our day, our context today. And so we ask ourselves the simple question, what, uh, based upon how we have learned what we've learned, how can we apply? What does this passage mean? Um, ask ourselves if we uncovered any kind of truth that we didn't know before. Is there any new understanding that we didn't have 
um, in the past. Ask God. Here we go. When we're doing this, we're studying scripture. We can always simply ask the master. He is the original interpreter because he's the original author of the words. Ask him what he wants you to know from this. And then here's something novel in our prayer life. Sometimes when we pray, what we need to do is ask a question and then shut our lips, right? Open our ears. God gave us two ears and one mouth. He gave us two eyes and one mouth. He gave us double in the areas that we should be using more. We should see more, observe more, listen more, and speak less. And we do that even when we're talking to God. Sometimes we just simply say, God, I've spent this time studying this passage in the book of Psalms. I found some profound truths, but I want you to tell me how to apply it. And then allow him to speak to you. You say, well, pastor, does that mean that God's actually going to speak to me? Yes. Yes, is exactly what I'm saying. He will speak to you. He says, if we will draw closer to him, he will draw closer to us. If we are faithful in giving him the place to speak, he will. He's a gentleman. He's, he's calm. He's going to bring peace into our lives. Sometimes he'll speak with words. Sometimes he, he speaks in action. Sometimes in this stage of, of the inductive study means you put the Bible down, you close the computer, you put the pen aside, you get up and you go and, and do something. You know, clean, clean the garage, uh, go do some woodworking projects. That's what I like to do. Um, uh, go pick up an instrument that you're fond of, like the banjo, and begin to play a little bit and begin to see... Um, allow God to speak to you through those those events. Maybe it means go to the grocery store. Go and, go and meet somebody. Allow the scripture that you've just spent time studying to play out in front of you in the real world. And if you do that, and, and at the same time asking God to reveal through maybe circumstances what he wants you to know. This is where we can honestly apply some of the text. And once you've got the application down and that honest understanding, write it down. Write it down so that you can have a record of that study so that when, uh, when, when you are looking in other times in your life, you can, when you've maybe forgotten that principle, you can page through your journal and look and see where he has ministered to you in the past. And you'll be able to get a good, accurate understanding of what God is, is asking for you. So that's that's what I have. These are the stage, the three stages. Um, I'm hoping that this will be helpful to you, and I would encourage you to, to go back and watch these three videos a few times um, as you're trying to uh, get a better understanding of how to do a proper inductive Bible study, which in my opinion is really the best way to study Scripture. So that being said, I want to say um, goodbye, and thank you again for your time and your commitment that you um, are giving to this very important topic. Thank you.